Hello, everybody. This is uh, Shift M podcast, uh, episode number seven. Uh, we have a special guest today, uh, Hugo Master, and he's from somewhere far away from Europe and America, and he's going to present himself right now, but he's an expert in distributed management, and that's going to be the subject today. Hugo, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm Hugo, and I'm not from America, but from Holland, and I live on Bali at the moment. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I moved here about a year ago, so there might be some background noise, because uh, I'm working in a co-working space, and sometimes big motorcycles in Bali drive around. So if there's any disturbance, then you know what it is. For how long are you there already? A year? Yeah, a bit of, I moved here a little bit more than a year ago, yeah. Do you like it there? Yeah, it's a good place. Yeah, if you <clears throat> if you could see my background, then I think you would agree. <laughs> Why did you move? Can you share? I'm actually interested well, myself personally. To yeah, there's a lot of people from uh, all over the world here actually, and uh, I mean I, I I traveled I traveled here three years back, and I had the idea of moving somewhere else, and I lived in India before to set up my office there, and uh, I really like the tropical climate, so when I came here. I went. I looked around for about two weeks and traveled and checked out some schools because I have three kids. And then I thought it would be would be a good place to live. And it's kind of a combination of tropical island, but also you have some sort of civilization. A lot of Westerners, some good good infrastructure, good international schools. So, so you're not planning to coming back. Yeah. Well, our plan was to stay for one year as an experiment, and we already ex extended it with another year, maybe two, so no plans yet to come back. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, so, well, the main question now is, what do you think as an expert, what's the main difference between working remotely and working like in the office? Can you share your experience? Because you're teaching people, right, how to work remotely. Yes. And how to, so can you... Well, you know, the last year I've been teaching a lot, a lot about Agile and Scrum, and also, I mean, my main my main interest is interest is in distributed teams, distributed Agile, um, and you know, I, I think in a way there is not that much difference because you still need to manage people, so you need you need to manage teamwork, you need to make sure that everybody's aligned, and your team creates the output that you're after, the outcomes, and. Um, if you're if you're in the same office, it's a little bit better. It's easier to align. But nowadays, people sit behind the PC. So even if you're in an office, you could hide what you're doing, and you don't you're you're not aware of what your colleagues are doing anyway. And the only difference is you you have your lunch talk, you you have your coffee talk. So it's easier to stay updated about each other. But uh, so I think if if you look if if you move remote, then few things you really need you need you need to have discipline because if people work completely alone remotely they might stay in bed or do whatever they want because nobody's really checking them i think you need discipline and as a team or as a company i think you need systems to you know, support your collaboration and your communication so you need good tooling you need good systems to make sure that everybody stays aligned reports make stuff transparent um, and you need to you need to make what I always call communication rhythm to make sure that you have regular meetings through video conferencing. I prefer video conferencing over chat, but you could also use chat. So what what I like especially about Scrum is that it 
facilitates this kind of communication rhythm because you have a built-in sprint planning. You do daily stand-ups, then you do demo retrospective. And these are actually the sort of ceremonies of events that I think really help a remote team align and collaborate. So without that so, ceremonies, yeah. without that events, it's going to be impossible or very difficult to manage people remote, right? Well, that's my own view. I mean, I've tried when I when I started out 12 years ago to take projects from Holland and outsource to teams in Ukraine. I found that a lot of programmers in Ukraine are inclined to do stuff through chat, so they prefer not to talk because their English is not that well if they speak. So they prefer to chat, and it works, but it also brings difficulties, especially if you have a larger team and different stakeholders in a in in, a, in one project. So. And I think you also lack the human bonding. So you, you don't really build connections if you only chat. You do, but on another level. And I know you, you are actually a fan of not communicating at all and not wasting time drinking beers and becoming friends. And that makes a lot of sense as well to me. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really <laughs> in favor of this discipline things you mentioned and the structure and the process. So uh, I, I can agree with that, that that if there is some structure in place, then it will be possible to manage whoever they are and wherever they are in any countries, remotely or locally. But, yes. Yeah, but, but you're saying more about agile scrum and stand-ups and all these things which happen in usually in teams which are collocated. And I think agile is saying yes. a lot about being collocated and having face-to-face -face communications instead of uh, distributing. What do you yeah, think? Is it still true or it's something from the past? Well, you know, what the, what the Agile Manifesto basically says is that it's better to, that like face-to-face -face communication is more effective and that's true. I mean, in a way, I think if you align more, well, in a way it's true and in a way it's also not true. I think it is easier if you're co-located. You don't have to think so much because things go more natural. Uh, yeah, if you're distributed, you have to just pay attention to how you're going to solve that kind of interaction that you have in a, if you're in the same office. Um, but but so I, I I think I think it's easier and but having said that with the technology that we have nowadays it's also possible to do everything remote and I also think it depends a bit on the context because if you look at you know if you're if you're working in a big bank and everything is co-located and you've got ten thousand people in your country working on similar projects and then suddenly you have a team somewhere in India or wherever in the U.S. it's going to be harder to make the distribution work because you have us versus them, you have you know cultural differences that influence stuff. So it's if you and and I see a lot of stuff because I'm in Bali, so I work from co-working spaces frequently, and I see a lot of people who are part of a distributed team. And these startups nowadays, they don't have any offices. They never started out with having a group of people in one place. Everybody's always working remote, and that was the start. And I think that's maybe easier or more effective because people are used to it. I mean, the hard, the hard part. That was one of the motorcycles. So why, why big companies like Google or Facebook, they're not allowing people to work remotely from home? That's what I've read. I've never been there, but that's what I've read on the news, that, that big companies, huge companies, they try to let people work from home, and then they stop that initiative after some few years of experimentation. 
Uh, maybe it's a big, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they do research and they look at, they're very keen on getting the most productivity out of their people and they find out that it's less productive. I don't know. There's also a lot of research that shows that it's actually better for your people, creates more happiness and people actually work harder for you. But I don't know. Maybe it's some control-oriented CEO who came to power at Yahoo and then suddenly changes everything. But what do you think and, is but, 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 in general with the industry? Where was the direction we're heading? More people working from home or bigger offices and more? Control? No, I think no, no. I think no. I mean, you, if I I haven't been in Holland for the last year, but if I look at Holland and what happened in the last five or ten years, the amount of office space that was built before was massive, and I think fifty or sixty percent of that is empty because people. But it was a recession, so. Uh, there's less jobs, but people also work from home more and it becomes less necessary to be in the same space. I mean, people still want to be, I think that people are, you, you want to interact with others. If you're completely in isolation, that's not going to work. But that's also why things like this co-working spaces pop up where people still can come together. I mean, why would you go to an office if you spend two hours in a traffic jam every day and just to go there because you have to go there? It doesn't make sense because you don't you, you get more work done if you stay at home. You save the travel and the headache. Yeah, but you know, I've heard many times the opinion that uh, when people are somewhere, when they're sitting somewhere in their pajamas in the backyard and uh, you know scratching the head of their dogs and they don't really work. They just, yes. just having fun. Of course, they're happy. Yes. They're happy because they don't work. So you still yes. pay them, you still you know, send money there to their bank accounts, but the, the amount of contribution to your projects you're getting back is really small. Yes. And that's what I've heard. Yeah, that's what I can also imagine. And that's why you need disciplined people. So for some people it might not work. And that's again where you need the systems. You need to measure people much more on outcomes and then be strict in you know, the KPIs you set and the outcomes they produce. Because if they sit in the pajamas and play with the dock and they don't, produce anything you probably either get the guy back to the office or find someone else or put the structure in place like you just said put some you know kpis rules discipline i don't know yeah but still some people can't manage that i think you know not everybody is made for that people some people need somebody to tell them every day you know do this do that and keep them motivated so you need to you need self-motivation you need discipline aha uh -huh. so you're saying that there are two different kinds of people people who can be self-disciplined and can be you know managed by rules and and uh, discipline and then there are another category of people who just need to be babysitted in the office and always like needed some pet being patronized or i don't know how to call that right yeah well i'm not sure if there's only two types but if we talk in stereotypes i think this might be true yeah uh -huh. there's probably grades of it but yeah and I think people can also recognize that by themselves. I mean, if you work for a company and you work remote and you find that you're too much, you're too much distracted and you need your office space, then maybe you ask for it yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, or you make a mix. I mean, I think a lot of companies could also, yeah, you could work from home for two or three days and then spend the other two days in the office because you want to socialize, because you need this pressure or whatever. But when you train the team, when you, when you provide some coaching to the team and you're training them to work remotely, do you give them some special knowledge in management or is it just, just regular management and that's, that's enough for a remote work? Well, I think I, I usually, like if it's about how, having a generic distributed team or helping them, I, I, I have a few tools that I implement in my own company uh, and one, like one of them is uh, a one-page strategic plan. This comes from 
uh, scaling up method. So it's basically a one-page plan that shows where you're going as a company in terms of vision, mission, values, and then translates that into three-year goals, one-year goals. So you have an overall strategy plan that everybody can see in your company. And then I have a Google Sheet in which you have your top priorities for the quarter. So every quarter you do uh, a virtual call, or you could maybe do that uh, physically. And you set the goals for your quarter together so that everybody knows, okay, this is what like the big, the, the top two to five priorities that you're going to set for the quarter together. Uh, and then every person also makes a quarterly plan for himself. Um, and, then, and then I have, in my own team, I use Trello and a lot of our tech teams are using uh, Jira or other tools, depending on the client they're working for. But we use Trello to make cards, like we basically translate those quarterly goals into tickets that you process on a weekly basis. Um, so these tools help to align a company or to align a team and have clear direction and transparency to show what's going on. And then this, this Trello board is actually the thing that for my team is really crucial. So we look at that on a daily basis. So we do our sprint planning on Monday. We look at what everybody's going to plan for this week. And every day we look what people are working on and we help each other to get unstuck and then by, and on Friday everybody shows the tick uh, like the goal is to move all the tickets uh, for the week to the done column and then check what everybody has done and, and uh, achieved so it's ticket ticket based basically ticket based yeah so yeah. management is ticket based yeah, <laughs> yeah. well some people You'll, some people like, complain like about that, yeah? that. I've heard, I've heard many times people saying that we're not, you know, monkeys closing tickets here. We are more creative creatures. We want more freedom. We want to work not in the borders of the tickets you're assigned to us. There's way more uh, area for creativity for us. And when there are tickets coming in and we're just locked in these in this tickets, we have to do what the, the ticket says. Then it's kind of uh, demotivates us and uh, prevents us from being creative. Right. Is it right? Well, no, no. I mean, if you look at if you look at what Scrum says, is you make you have a product owner. So you, as a boss, maybe are the product owner. Yeah? You're not a boss managing people. You're not assigning stuff, but you have your product backlog. So you you create all the all the stories or the tickets that you want to have processed during a week or during a sprint. And then mm -hmm. people can actually self-select the tickets that they want to work on, right? Uh, or they could even, in my team, I mean, it depends also if you're a tech team. The, the case that I just described with priorities is more on a general team. So my team is more marketing, uh, salespeople. So, but if you have a tech team, it's all, all about building a certain product. And then those people can actually take the tickets that need to be built uh, into their sprint for that specific sprint, right? Or that week or the two weeks. Mm -hmm. So... Maybe it's more, I don't know, maybe the thing, what I heard you say is you assign the tickets and maybe that's what gives the resistance. That's what Agile says as well. You don't, you don't, like you don't have the, the project manager assigning work to people, but people self-commit to what they're going to do. Oh, so there's a list of tickets, like a backlog, and then the team is sitting together and saying, yeah. and I'm saying, I'm going to take ticket number five and ticket number seven. Yeah? Yeah, exactly. Well, it could be individual, could be as a team. So you do, the, you do your sprint planning on the Monday morning, for example, and then as a team, you sit together for two, three hours, you discuss what all the tickets are about to create understanding, and then you estimate that. And then as a team, you say, okay, these are the tickets that we can commit to in this week. This is what we're going to do. So you don't have a boss assigning anything. They do their own work. 
Uh-huh. And, and they, they need to understand the priorities, right? They need to know what's yes. important, what's less important. Yeah, so you as a product owner, you put yeah, on, on, on number one on the top of your board, that's the most important, and on the bottom is the least important. But in this case, if people will pick up the tickets they like, they will <clears throat> usually select the work which is more comfortable for them to do. And that yeah, but it's a discussion, right? You need you as a product owner, you you need to get something done. You represent the business interests, so you need to make sure that you know you discuss with the team that okay, this thing has to be done. You can't just leave it on the backlog. Mm-hmm. No, but I'm, my my question is different. In my situation, what I'm doing is that I'm usually trying to <clears throat> to assign work to people randomly, so in order to prevent. Uh, creating right. so-called experts and people who know more than somebody else in the specific domain area. Because that yes. will, in my opinion, that will create so-called experts or domain knowledge experts, which know way more in some, in some territory. And then that territory will be locked by these people and we will not be able to, you know, to move or to, we will rely on that people way too much. So yeah, that's, that sounds logical to me. And I, that's what I'm doing. So, but you're saying that it's, it's the, it's the job of the team to say what they're going to do, or it's the responsibility of the individuals who, are, who has to decide what, what they are going to do. Yes, exactly. Well, that's what Agile is about. It's about self-organization and self-management, because in the, in the case you described, you know, what also might happen is that one guy could actually do that work in five minutes, whereas the guy you assigned it to takes five hours. Yeah. And you, you wouldn't know that. But if you have a team of smart guys and they discuss regularly, they know about it. But yeah, I think it also true. depends, you know, if, if in your case, I think the, the programmers are, are a team, they are not really a team, right? You have individual guys processing certain tasks, but they don't really work on as a team co-located or, or as, a, as a tight team. They, they might not even know each other, right? Yeah, but in your case, that, that's, that's my point. In, your, in the case yeah. of remote teams, that's exactly the situation like that. So people don't know each other. Mm-hmm. Or it's not the well, it depends. So, so it, it, it depends on the setup because, again, those startups that I mentioned, you have a lot of people that work, like, for example, At- At- Atomatic or Atomic, the guys who made WordPress, I think everybody works remote. So they have 250 or 300 people and they all work from home. Uh, but in a lot of cases with existing enterprises, you have co-located teams. So even though part of the team is in India, they're going to be co-located. It's so still one team, might yeah. Be, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And they, they are co-located. So it's still a, a remote team, but they work together. And I think that's actually more the, the rule than the exception. I mean, most teams are co-located, but scattered around the globe. Yeah, that's exactly my question. When I, I'm, I'm really interested to see the difference between just moving abroad and sitting somewhere, but still being a member of the same team, having the same meetings, having the same procedures, and basically doing the same stuff which, which I was doing in the office. And versus another setup where you were actually going remote and then we just, we, we start managing us differently. So remote management is something different from leaving remotely, I think. Or you don't see the difference. Oh, um, I think there is. A, yeah, it depends on from which perspective you look at it. I'm just thinking there was one guy in my, in the, here in Bali, a Dutch guy, and he works for an internet agency in uh, Holland, and he's, he moved here for, I think, a year, year ago. And uh, mm-hmm. he's the only programmer working remote. So he used to work in the same office with the same guys. Then he, worked, he moved and started working remote. So that's the situation where one guy goes remote and the rest is still co-located. But from the, I think from the manager perspective, he will need to change stuff. Like he needs to make sure that those guys are aligned. Uh, yeah. 
So we need to somehow change the rules of work, right? Not just move, not just start working from home because that's a very typical story. I think that's the cause of the, of the problem in these big companies. They just allow people to work from home without changing the system, without changing the yes. <clears throat> management principles. And then people yes. just start working from home, being at the same team, expecting the same things from the management, doing exactly the same. And it doesn't work because, because now they're remote, you know? No, I think that's maybe a situation. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of that. That's like the, the existing guy who, and the example I gave was a tech guy. But if you work in a bank and uh, you're a bank clerk and you suddenly start working from home, I think that has a lot of implications and management also needs to change. But if you if you work for a, an IT department and they they set up a remote team in India, I think that's another uh, setup because in that case you do need to. Everybody will be aware. Okay, we need we need to change our systems. We need to move stuff to the cloud. We need to change the way we communicate because we're not in the same room, not in the same country. Uh, and then I, I think the the other spectrum is the startup that starts completely remote from day one, and hires only people remotely. Mm -hmm. Maybe the the case that you described where where some people start working remote remote from their home, is, uh, but not everybody is the hardest one. Might be. I don't yeah, know. For me, that's always worked. I never thought about it actually, because I work. I I I I don't know better than just working remotely. You probably never never work years. from from the office. I think. <laughs> I in the, in the in the initial years, I started building a team in Holland actually, because I was still thinking very traditionally. Uh, uh -huh. So I did. I did, and I worked for some companies before that. But since I closed that office, I actually never looked back. Because it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense to me. You also waste a lot of time if you work in the same office. A lot of time? What do you mean? Wasting for what? I mean, you just chit-chat, talking, people come to disturb you. If you sit alone at home, you work. I, I work way more productive. Yeah, but people love that. You just said it. People, we are social creatures. We like yeah, to talk sure. to each other, right? So <clears throat> some people complain about that, just saying, like, I don't want to sit home. I don't want to be alone. Right. I don't want to be isolated. I want to be in the team, in the group. I want to communicate. Yes. And then they just say, no, give me the office. I've heard that. I, I've met that problem. So I've, I've, I've had a team with people, and we were, like, co-located, and then I started to move them. I'm starting, I started to tell them, like, go home, work from home. I'm going to close the office. And a few of them, about 50% of them complained. They said, no, I'm not going to work from home. It's just not comfortable for me. I want still to be in the office. Right. Even though there is no management, you know, the management is gone. The management is remote, but it's still, I want to sit here because I like this coffee machine. I like to come somewhere every day. I don't want to be at home because there are like three kids and I don't know, a wife and everything, all that stuff. Right. Yeah, but I think you could also make a sort of mix, right? You could work three days from home and two days in the office. Plus, for me, since I, I've been working so much remote, I actually get my interaction with people do, by doing Skype calls. It's, uh, you get used to that somehow. It's not the same as meeting physically, but still, it's a good, a good uh, substitute, I think. And how much, how much of this communication do you have, like you or the teams you're coaching, usually have like remote communications, let's say Skype calls. How many times a day they call each other? Well, I think it, it, it depends a little bit. For me, myself, I try to reduce it as much as possible. So with my own team, uh, because mo I have a few people in uh, Jakarta right now and a few people in India, we do a daily, we just do daily, actually we just started that, but uh, that takes 15 minutes. So 15. I speak 15 minutes a day, yeah. So on Monday we have the sprint planning, which takes about 45 minutes. 
And then every day we do 15 minutes. And by Friday, it's about 30 or 45 minutes to discuss the week. But again, that's a non-tech team. I think a tech team needs to be aligned more. Uh, so, you know, I think our, our technology teams in our Indian office, uh, it depends per client, but they'll do all those ceremonies where the sprint planning takes usually two, three hours, and then they do the daily. But in between, if they have questions, they'll also call with the client. And some of the teams even have a direct line all day. Uh, so we like last year, I experimented with this Kubi. You have been doing stuff with that as well, I think. Like mm -hmm. the, American device. So you have a Kubi in your office sitting with the team so that the product owner in Sweden, if he works with the Indian team, he's always kind of part of the team sitting together. So if I've got a question, I could just turn to, to the Kubi and ask him. Or you can do it on a video conferencing. Mm -hmm. And you think it's a good, good uh, feature, good tool? Yeah, because it makes a barrier to ask questions less. Yeah? If you, you need interaction, because if a programmer doesn't know what to do, he'll probably need to ask someone. Otherwise, he's going to make buggy software and build completely something else. So I think that's, that interaction needs to have a low threshold. And you can also use tools like Slack, of course, Slack or WhatsApp. So but there's more I'm delay in that. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a developer or programmer, then I'm, I should, in a properly organized distributed team, I should expect this uh, conference call like eight hours a day, or I should expect 15, 15 minutes a day, like you just said. So what do you think is the right strategy? It depends on the team, depends on the people you work with. Because I think for some teams, it's useful to have that line open. And that, that often comes from a product owner and not from a, or a project manager and not from the programmers. Uh, or you can have your Skype chat or your WhatsApp chat open and agree that if I have a question, I'll get an answer fast enough. And otherwise, I'll get it in the daily meeting. But I think for, I mean, if you follow Scrum, then one of the key things is to make sure that in your sprint planning on the first day of your sprint, you get enough clarification so everybody knows what to do. So the amount of interaction during the sprint is less. So basically these chats, these this video calls, they are required to help us share information. Yeah. And like written documentation is not enough for that. Like, you know, documenting the code or writing some specifications or I don't know, having some wiki pages or QA pages. No? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, I think in your case it works. So if it works, it works. I never believe that there's only one single way to, to do something. What happens if you do it with specific, like, I mean, the, the traditional waterfall model of building software is you make all your specifications up front, right? So if you describe, if you do what you just said, you probably have to do more description. So as a project manager or client or product owner, you spend more time making those documents. You spend time documenting stuff and then it's only your brain producing the requirements. And there's probably a lot of flaws in that. Plus that it raises a lot of questions from the programming team. And that's why I really believe in this ritual where you discuss all the user stories. So as a product owner, you don't make those specifications, but you describe them on a high level. And then in the discussion, people create clarity, add ideas, add you know, the, the architecture, they add the functionalities to the user stories. It's more of a group brain activity. Mm -hmm. But still, I think your way can also work. If you know exactly what you want, you can specify that stuff and you can just send it to the developers, then... If that works, it works. 
Because I, I thought that programmers are usually people who like to think logically and who are in most cases kind of introversial and they yeah. don't really enjoy like being open. And like you just said, most people don't even yes. like to video calls. They like to they, yes. they prefer to stay in chats. Yes. So it sounds like they, they would prefer to, um, to work with the documentation written format instead of calling somebody or answering questions or asking questions. It sounds like yes. for me as a programmer, sounds more convenient way to share information, to ask for information. Yeah, but again, it depends on the setup. So if, if we take an example where a client is in the US and your team is in Ukraine, if the team is co-located and they have, for example, a product owner in the US and then a proxy product owner in Ukraine with a Scrum Master and a whole team working on the, on the sprints, then those guys in Ukraine are probably inclined to talk to each other. So they can, as a team, do the sprint planning and clarify stuff. Mm -hmm. So it depends, again, on the construct. But if you give them a choice do you want to speak to the American client and discuss in a two-hour video call all the requirements for our sprint? They probably prefer not doing that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I yeah. would also say no because yeah. you know these these product people right. and business people they speak the same different language. It's just yes. difficult to communicate with them. I mean, I'm a programmer. I speak Java, and these these guys are speaking completely something else. <laughs> so you know how it works. Right? Yeah, but it also I know how it works, and I also think there's a flip side to this because I think a lot of programmers they don't interact with any business people, with any users, and they just want to make code, which is not always good because you want to create stuff which is valuable to the users, not necessarily fancy code, fancy functionality. So I think actually that, that gap can be closed between business and the, and the IT side by more communication. And do you think the tools we have right now in the market are sufficient for, uh, for communications we may need in the remote team in the future? Like you just said, we have WhatsApp, we have Skype, we have Trello. Do you think we're missing, we're still missing something or that's enough for the next, I'd say 20 years, 50 years? Well, you know, that's a tough, tough, tough Maybe question. Because I think so much, yeah, no, but I mean, new tools come up and then I'm usually not an early adapter, but something comes up and then people try it and if like Slack it comes up out of nowhere and suddenly everybody starts using it. So I think that right now I wouldn't be able to mention, okay, this is what we lack. I mean, Skype could be a lot better. That's the problem since Microsoft took over that crashes all the time. Yeah. But <laughs> otherwise, I think if you have that kind of like, or Zoom as we're using right now, that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but yeah, maybe tomorrow something new is launched that we need, but I didn't know about it. But I think right now we have enough, like all the cloud tools. You know, basically, if you have your, your video conferencing and you've got Google Drive with Doc Sheets, et cetera, then, and a Trello board in my case, then you're good. Well, let's say what, one of the things I would like to have that's, that's just the tool I'm missing is that uh, some kind of, when I ask a question, for example, in the video call, and then somebody answers me that question, then I, I want to record that video, and I want to have an ability somehow to search through this video and to find the places where that particular questions were asked and the answers were given. Because I don't know, I don't know how it works right. in, the, in the big teams. They probably record their video video sessions, but maybe not. But if they do record, that's, I, I think it's a problem to search through like hours of recording and find where exactly that guy told us what to do in that specific user story. Yeah, right? okay. That sounds like a good tool to have. Maybe you should make it. <laughs> well, that's, that's the one thing I kind of, I feel that the market is missing now. Yes. Maybe, maybe something like that YouTube has now, because in YouTube you can kind of search through the video, but it's still like very immature feature, I think so. They just start. Right. Right, right. 
Because for me, it sounds like like a lot of information when people are like supposed to work through these video calls and calls. You have to keep all the information in your head. That's what I figure. So you have to remember. You need. No, I mean, I mean, you need to make the right routine. So, as if there's a scrum master in the team, he can facilitate, you know, documenting the stuff that's discussed. So you can make your you open your Trello ticket, and then in the user story that you're discussing, you you start making notes, or you add screenshots, or maybe an audio fragment, whatever. Aha, uh-huh. so we're using this video calls just to fetch information and then we have to remember to put it back into writing. Well, that's what I would do in my teams, like document everything. So if, if I do my sprint planning or daily, and a, a daily meeting and some, some new idea pops up or a new task, I immediately create a Trello card, describe it so that I'm sure nothing is lost. Well, isn't it redundant in this case? So first of all, we need to talk for half an hour and then we need to spend another half an hour to write it down. Maybe it's just enough to write, no? (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) Maybe it is, maybe it is. Now, as I said, I mean, in my my own experience, when I started out with this stuff, I did everything written and I had so many headaches because the thing with, it depends on the context again. I think if you, in my situation, I had clients in Holland and I was a sort of intermediary and then I had to brief my teams in Ukraine what they needed to do. So I, I talk to the client. I get the requirements from them. I need to try, on, try and understand what they really need. Uh, so, so they have these big requirements documents, and we go add stuff based on the talks. And then I send that to the Ukraine guys. They have to start analyzing, and the brain processes text, right? So I see text, I see screenshots, and I need to start understanding what these guys have actually figured, like what, they, what do they want. And then I start asking questions. So you get a whole chain of communication that leads to a lot of misunderstanding. Uh, mm-hmm. Because if I, I talk to the client and I map it in the wrong way and then I phrase it in the wrong way and send it to Ukraine and they don't understand it. Uh, and, I, and then they, ma- they may ask me or they may not ask me. You have so many things that go wrong. And to, to kind of prevent miscommunication, you try to make contracts, right? So you have your, your big requirements document. You try to sign off everything so that you're protected because the client doesn't want to pay for extra work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but, but anyway, any project that you'll do that way comes up with extra work, with discussions about what was extra, what was not, or if the project fails completely. So you try to do all this communication upfront. Uh, and I think it's better to do less communication, less documentation upfront you know, go with the flow a bit more and try to figure out what to build along the way and not make all those contracts up front. Oh, yeah, that's true. I agree. And do you think we, we will need managers in the future in general? Maybe with this more, you know, interactive communications and uh, more properly written documentations and more tools we're going to have in the future on the market, maybe just the, the position of a manager is becoming less and less important. Or no? I, th- I, I do think so because the, the role of the manager comes from, you know, we, a few centuries ago we started factories. People figured out, okay, you have people who make pins in a factory, you know, I make a small part and then I need a manager to coordinate all that work to make sure that I make the right part of the pin and the next guy integrates it, etc. So yeah. I think these manager positions were, were created in that era. And then we, keep, we kept doing that. And right now, if you look at IT, you have a bunch of very smart people, not making pins, but high-end high code. Uh, and they can actually manage themselves. They don't need somebody to tell them what to do. They don't need a manager to manage people. Uh, so I think that's where these, these agile methodologies also come from. Uh, it's more about self-management. So in my own team in India, for example, in my office, we... Somehow in the last two years, we created some layers of hierarchy. And right now we're trying to kill all of that again. So we have a CEO and a COO. 
and all the teams report directly to the COO. So there's nobody in between. And and actually the real the real boss in the whole case is the client for 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 whom the team works. So I think I think you know in the future the more smart people get, the more autonomous people get, and the more they can manage themselves as teams instead of having a manager or a boss telling them what to do. And what's going to happen to big corporations like Oracle, like Google, where there are so many levels of hierarchies, of in the hierarchy? It's going to change, I think. You I think? mean, you you need you need hierarchy to a certain extent because the, you know you you do need people who are making budget and check finance, and but you don't you don't necessarily need a project manager. You don't need necessarily need a PMO office who is going to say, okay, this is. This is a team that's assigned to you, or this guy has a certain capability, right? This you can you can you can skip a lot of layers if you try to stimulate more autonomy and responsibility with the people who really do the work. If you trust them to do the work well, because as humans we're just trying to push the envelope to somebody higher up all that's the time true. because the manager is there. So I think there's a lot of redundancy there. So we'll have we'll less managers, some. more programmers in the future. Well, more people <laughs> doing sure about programmers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that, that, that's, that's what it's about, right? In the end, it's about delivering the outcomes. And if you need, it, if you need somebody to facilitate for that, then you know, let's, let's have that person. But in the end, it's the guys on the ground who produce the work, not the manager. Yeah, but still, these managers are way, way better paid than programmers and people who are doing actually the work. So they're like elite, elite uh, group of people in the business, managers. Then the higher yes, you and are, that makes it hard. Yeah, yeah. that's so the people, the people in those positions are the ones who have to change this hierarchy, but they have the least interest in it. Exactly. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah. So it will take some time. So it sounds like it sounds like for that people, like you just said about, like you said about big companies, that uh, why remote is not working for them because maybe there is some manager who doesn't want that to happen. Maybe that's yeah. why. Sure, yeah. That's why working remotely is such a difficult thing to adopt for big companies because the entire layer of management is kind of against that because the more freedom these people get, the more... Yes, the, the less power. Yeah, the less power yes. the management oh, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, so that's... Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's what happens. Actually, in our, with the case that I just described in my Indian office, we, ha we had to let some people go because of this because their, status, their, their desire for status was too big and if you say I'm going to cut out a layer of hierarchy and your role is going to change yeah, they, they're not happy they, they, they can't accept that so then they'll, hmm. they'll have to leave but maybe that's just the nature of the, just a, it's just the nature of us people you know some people like yes. to work and some people like to you know to, to manage other people yeah but do you, who likes to be managed Nobody. That's right. No, oh, that's the thing. <laughs> but there are so many people who don't like to work. They just like to be, you know, a big manager just to, to dominate over somebody and just get a lot of money for that. And we, we, can't, <laughs> just, we can't just destroy them. I mean, we can't just get rid of them. They, they exist. There are many of them. Right. So, oh, but you can, train, you can train them to change their mindset, right? Instead of being this kind of status-oriented guy who wants to control people, you can yeah. become more of a facilitator or a mentor. And your ego can still be fed with that because if you transfer your wisdom to somebody else, you can still have your position. Uh -huh. But that doesn't mean you, you need this hierarchy. I think, I mean, the more people become servant leaders to f help others to become better at what they're doing, the less hierarchy that you know you don't necessarily need hierarchy in that case mm -hmm.
And you're saying that there's like, you've, you, you've seen that problem, like actual problem with people who you tried to transform and they said, no, we still want the status. Yes. Yes. And you fired them. Uh, or, you yes, managed she was, she, to, or you managed to transform them. No, no. This, in this case, a few months back, we had to let one person go on the, on the HR side. She felt like he had to go in a higher position and that's uh -huh. exactly where we didn't want to go. But do you believe that it's possible to transform people to, like you said, to mentor them, to train them, to coach them, to be different? Or just some people will say, no, no, we want to be. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, some people will probably say no. And it depends on the age. I think now we will see that, especially in the IT industry, because it's all about self-management, people will, you know, people that come to other positions later on, they're used to a different way of working. Because they are used to work as self-organized teams, so they, they know, okay, we don't really need those leaders. We're more like scrum, like a scrum master, for example, is a servant leader. He's a, he's a facilitator. He's not a project manager. And the more this gets infected in companies, and you see that in big enterprises also. They, they start adopting agility and all these concepts that we have in the IT side, they start spreading through the company. And they start working in scrum teams without this. I mean, there's no position manager in scrum at all. You have, a, you have a product owner and a scrum master. You don't have a term manager. So there's nobody who's telling people what to do? No, exactly. But you can still have your hierarchy because that scrum team has KPIs and they need to report to somebody. But inside that team, you don't have any hierarchy. They're all, they're all equal. Equal. Yeah, I mean, in, in theory. Of course, a product owner might still behave like he's the boss, but yeah. he's not supposed to. Uh-huh. Well, sounds interesting. And you, you see this, this in work. So that's, that is, is it just, a, is, is it just a, a dream or desire to have? Or you've seen the teams working like that without the bosses, without anybody controlling people, without anybody telling them what to do, just as a self-organized team? Yeah, so again, one of, the, one of the things that happened in my own Indian office a, few, uh, a year, half year back or something, I, 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 I had a lot of complaints about people, like people were complaining to me about, uh, you know, management and direction and uh, even the office facilities, etc. So I got a bit fed up with that. And what I did, I, I put up a board and I said, you know, let's put all those sticky, I asked people to put their complaints in sticky notes. I said, let's make a board with all the complaints that you have. Um, so I made a scrum board for that. And then I asked some people, okay, who wants to volunteer to start tackling those issues, those problems or the complaints that people have. And then somehow after I left India back to Bali, some, some volunteers came up and they started, they started their own uh, bridge improvement plan, as they call it. And they took all those things and started changing that. So there were no managers involved and they started fixing their own problems. So I think that's an example of how a self-organized team can actually even fix operational or managerial problems without having, without needing the managers. Mm -hmm. And you think the Scrum and Agile are going to stay on the market? These are the technologies and methodologies which we like, and um, they're not going to change. They, they, we don't need to change them and improve, or because they're kind of old, or maybe we need something new. Yes. Yeah, I mean, for me, Agile is more, it's more like a culture or a mindset. So I think that, that's here to stay. People will, it, it starts spreading and people start thinking in different ways about organizing work. And Scrum is very popular at the moment and everything has a curve. So probably Scrum is going to be replaced by something else in the next five or 10 years. I don't know. It's probably at the top now because 
it gets what it's it's very popular. Mm-hmm. And if it's going to be replaced, then do you know by what or just you? Just you see now that if you look at the statistics that Kanban was kind of new a few years back, and I think right now. 89 of the 89 percent. I saw research a few days back from Scrum Alliance. 89 percent of the teams are using Scrum, and uh, 45 percent of the teams are using Kanban. A few years back, that was a lot less. So Kanban is picking up, mm-hmm. and there's a few other methodologies that I see popping up. Some of them might become pop- more popular, but we're not going to get back to waterfall. No, I don't think that's no. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think self-organized teams is what what's going to spread more mm-hmm. yeah. and we're going to be remote more and more despite the fact that big companies with huge hierarchies they don't like that <laughs> <laughs> well maybe i mean maybe some companies will stay completely localized forever i don't know because it's a problem I for programmers some... look if you if you talk to like any any individual ever any programmer who's motivated to grow then that person will tell you that they 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 want to work in a big company like facebook or i don't know amazon because it's more interesting because the projects are bigger because 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 for many reasons the more money is there but at the same time that companies don't allow people to work remotely and blah 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 so that's why programmers have to go to small startups and then work from home but there is not enough money there is not enough creativity the projects are small it's kind of a question, you know, where to go, to go remote and be free or... Yeah, but I think uh, the, the number of freelancers has also increased substantially in the last few years. A lot of people can go freelance and they get higher rates so they need to, f- to work all the time, full time, and they can go from project to project. Right? Yeah, but still, you know, being be a, a freelancer, like in Silicon Valley, if you ask anybody, who are you, there's the answer going to be, I'm a freelancer. It's kind of a, you know... It's an indicator that this programmer is not really a professional because the professional right. programmers, they work for Google, they work for Amazon. So freelancer is kind of, you're, you're kind of out of the market. You're doing some job which, you know, more serious people cannot, don't, don't want to do. That's, right. that's what I've heard from, that's what I know from Silicon Valley. So I don't know about the rest of the world though, maybe in like countries like Russia or India, being a freelancer is actually an advantage because in that case you get even more money. But in America, well, I in think it depends Valley. on the. I think in Ukraine, it's really popular. A lot of people go. The massive amount of freelancers. I, I heard there's more than a million right now out of a population of 17 million. In Ukraine, uh, but in India, it, no, in, in in Holland. I don't know mm-hmm. about Ukraine. I think mm-hmm. in the programmer population, there's a lot of freelancers as well. Or in Ukraine, the distinction between freelancer and employee is not that big. Yeah, that's I think. true. In, in India, for example, it's not popular at all because it's a lot. It's driven. On, you know, a lot of people want status. So if I tell my family I'm a freelancer, it's not really okay. It's better to say I work for Infosys. Exactly. Exactly. The same in America. If you're a yeah, freelancer, it's, it means that you don't have the salary. It means you're at risk all the time. Yes. Yeah. So maybe it depends on the country as well. So it's going to change, or still the big companies will dominate the market and will have to be employees instead of I think I think those big companies will keep dominating because even if they have more freelancers hired on their staff they're still you know they're the big companies the big giants and and they and they control a lot of people I think mm-hmm. that that will not disappear very soon they have too much power yeah and, and Facebook wasn't wasn't big 10 years ago and now they they're considered a big company but yeah they'll keep buying other companies and yeah, absolutely. And they, they keep growing their offices. They have a huge campus in Silicon Valley. Yes, yes. People are just there. There's a parking lot of like size of a few football fields. 
Yeah, and probably people also like working there, like yeah, going of there. Of course, they the have a whole fancy. life. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, so maybe it's not for everyone. So that's a summary of our discussion. It's not for everyone. So remote yeah. working is not for yeah, everyone. Let's agree on that. I'm still looking at my beautiful Bali view, so I, I still <laughs> believe it's great. But if you, if you prefer sitting in a cubicle and spending time in traffic jams, yeah, I can imagine that that's so let's say, fancy let's say, as well. Let's say tomorrow Google or Facebook offer you a job with a well-paid job in their campus, but you have to be there full-time. What would you say? I would never do that because I'm an entrepreneur, but I can imagine that for some people it's attractive. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, I would not even, no, I would not. You would think not even about think about it. For anyone. No, 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 no. It's a big seller. It's a good company. It's a stable future. Yeah, but still no. I prefer, I prefer freedom and doing my own stuff. That sounds good. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Okay, I think we're just, I had all my questions. Okay. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having Enjoy me. Enjoy Bali. <laughs> yeah, I will. I'm a little bit envious, Thanks. actually. I want to. I want to be there too. I hope well, you I'll, can work remotely, right? So you can I'll just visit come. You. Yeah, I'll visit you soon. Yeah. That's that, that's for yeah. sure. Sounds like a good plan. All right. Thanks. And see, see you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye.